Every year here at Venture, we've gone through, and I hope we'll continue in the future to go through a series where we go into the movie theater and we find some stories that teach us about God. We go into the the new parables, the new stories that are happening in the world, the ones that we're all seeing, the ones that we're all watching, the ones that we're all excited about, and we point it back to God and who God is and how we can learn more about him. And I think that's exciting because not only do I get to watch cool movies and talk about cool movies, but because it helps us to understand that God is not separate from anything in this world. That in everything that we see and everything that we do, we can find God if we just look for him. Last week, Chris started this series and he uh, talked about Captain America, which is cool. I've always found him to be a little bit of a lame superhero, but apparently he's had a resurgence and people really like him right now, uh, probably because they think Chris Evans is pretty or something. I, I'm not sure, um, but I'll admit he's been good in the Marvel movies Uh, but he talked about Captain America and how when Captain America got filled with that super soldier serum and it turned him into this powerful being and warrior that he was able to go out and really accomplish something for the world, that for us as Christians, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit kind of does the same thing. It comes in and it makes us different. It comes in and, and wipes away our weakness and gives us his strength and his comfort, helps us to be super soldiers for God. Uh, and that's cool, but when Chris came to me and he said, Patrick, we're going to do the movie st- series coming up, I was like, yeah. He's like, and I want you to preach one of them. I was like, yeah. And he was like, and it's about superheroes. I was like, heck yeah, because I'm a big superhero fan. Like, that's, that's me. That's my life. That's my goal. And my son, my oldest son, his name is Kal-El, which is Superman's name before he comes to Earth, which is funny because my wife actually picked that name. I was going through just names. I was like, yeah, Peter and, and Steve and blah, 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 and Clark. And she's like, I don't like Clark. I was like, what about Kal-El? And she was like, I love that. Who's that? And I was like, well, it's Clark, but we're going to, you know. But it's all right because <laughs> it doesn't matter because he's got a cool name and he loves it. And he doesn't even really like Superman that often unless he's thinking about it. Um, but there was one superhero that I knew without a doubt. This is the superhero that I'm going to talk about. He had a movie recently. Uh, it's one that I know a lot about. He's my favorite superhero out of all the pantheon of superheroes. And there, there may be a little bit of a reason for that. Um, years ago, back in like 2004, in fact, I know exactly it was in 2004, the first week of August, uh, I went to a week of camp that I wasn't planning on going to. Um, I had told them earlier in the year I wasn't going to make it, and they called up and were like, hey, if you don't come, we're not going to be able to camp because we won't have enough staff. And da, 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 da. I was like, fine, I'll come. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're speaking Sunday night. It's like, oh, thanks, that's awesome. Uh, I'll be there. What's the theme? And they're like, our theme is superheroes. And I was like, oh, okay, I got this. We can do this. And they told me who my superhero was, and I prepared my, my sermon, and I prepared everything, and I got it ready. And I got up there, and I preached and did my best. And while I was doing that, this young lady in the crowd saw me up there on stage preaching about this superhero and said, oh, that is a good-looking preacher. <laughs> and he preaches so well, and his stories are so good, and he is, oh, he's so pretty. And then we started hanging out, and then we got married, and then we had kids, and, and now we're here in Wilmington. And, like, so maybe that's why this is my favorite superhero. 
Um, but to be fair, it was before. That was why I picked that one that night. And uh, it's because of the story the superhero has. And, and you notice I haven't told you who it is yet. And it's because I want to make a disclaimer before I tell you the superhero that I'm talking about today. Because the movie that we're pulling from is awful. And I want to make sure you understand that I love the superhero, not because of this awful movie, but because of who the guy is. I tried to watch the movie this week. Actually, I did watch it. I watched the whole thing and it was painful. It was, it's probably, I mean, it's a DC superhero. You already know that because I'm talking about it being a bad movie and all of the DC superhero movies are bad and all the Marvel superhero movies are awesome. And that's just the way it is. Maybe one day it'll change. Who knows? But this superhero is, is super fantastic. My favorite one. In fact, uh, I'm going to go ahead and reveal that now. That's right. It's the Green Lantern. That is, that is it. That is my favorite superhero ever. And Ryan Reynolds almost killed him. Um, and it's okay because there's a couple of good little gleaming bits. And Ryan really wasn't the fault. It was the director and the art director and the everybody else in the movie. But <laughs> script writers, everything. Um, but the story of the Green Lantern is still worthwhile. The story of the Green Lantern is still good. It's still something that we can pull from. And there's even a clip that actually I think is the best clip from the whole movie happens to be the one that I, fits my lesson and my story uh, together. But let me tell you about the Green Lantern because I want to know you. First of all, let me back up and say, I just kind of stripped on stage and that felt really cool. So I don't know what that means, but uh, I just, I needed to share that because if I kept it bottled up, I don't know what would have happened. Um, but let me tell you about the Green Lantern. Uh, he... Craziness. Uh, I even threw it off to the side. It was, it was a moment. Um, but the Green Lantern is, is this guy, and I'm going to talk about Hal Jordan specifically. There are actually 3,600 different people that wear the Green Lantern uniform. Uh, not counting people that have gone and will come, but at any given moment, 3,600 people, because the Green Lantern is actually a member of a space police force called the Green Lantern Corps that are the the knights of justice throughout the entire universe. And there's 3,600 of them, and Hal Jordan is just one of them. That's who the movie is about and who most of people think of when they think about the Green Lantern. Unless you're a kid from the 90s and then you think about Jon Stewart, who was another Green Lantern from Earth, and so that's that. But Hal Jordan was a fighter jet test pilot. Like, this is what his job was on a regular day-to-day -day basis. He would go and fly new fangled jets that would go super fast and would do super crazy flips and have to fight against other jets and whatever. And that was what he did for a living. And he loved it. And it was exciting. And his, his dad had been a fighter jet test pilot. And his uh, family were all part of the Air Force and part of the, that whole deal. But one day, while Hal is out flying, he sees a, a spaceship crash. And he goes to check it out. And, and while he's there, the, the alien that was flying the spaceship, first alien that he's ever met, the first alien that he's ever heard of on this planet, he, he's going to find this spaceship and the alien is part of the Green Lantern Corps. And he says to Hal Jordan, you have the ability to overcome great fear. And he gives him a magic ring that's really science, but it's kind of magical in the way that it works. Gives him a magic ring and tells him that if you use this ring, your willpower will create whatever you want it to do. And it makes cool stuff out of green energy. Like, this is the coolest power. Like, if I could choose any superpower ever, it would be this one. Because he has the ultimate weapon in the universe, can do anything, and can make anything he wants. It just happens to be made out of hard green light. And that's okay if you want a couch. 
Because you can just be like, I got a couch, I'm sitting, I'm chilling, no problem, or a microphone system. Like, it all works. It's the most amazing thing. But he says, it's because you have the ability to overcome great fear. He hands him this power, and he becomes instantly a superhero. No training, no, no work, no, I've got to get buff. I've got to live on the planet long enough that the yellow sun will, uh, radiation will absorb into my cells and then I'll be powerful. No, not uh, I've got to go train everywhere with all the martial arts masters in the world and do all this crazy stuff that Batman did. No, just here's a ring, now you're a superhero. And I've always thought that was cool because that means that if I found a Green Lantern ring, hey, I'm in. I can fly and I can make constructs and I can do, like that's all you got to do. Now, the movie never says this outright. It never says you're a Green Lantern because you have the ability to overcome great fear. But if you look through the comic books and you look through the history of Green Lantern, every time a lantern is chosen, that's exactly what they say. Every single time is you have the ability to overcome great fear. Now, the movie does talk about fear and the weakness that it brings. In fact, let's watch this, the one good clip from the Green Lantern movie. Core is only as strong as its weakest link. And I will tolerate no weaklings. You understand me? Are you afraid, human? Are you afraid? Don't. <laughs> Don't do that. Shall we? Sure. The sword. No human. I do believe I smell fear. I'm a green lantern. I fear nothing. Fear is the enemy of will. Will is what makes you take action. Fear is what stops you and makes you weak. Makes your constructs feeble. Ignore your fear. When you're afraid, you can't act. When you can't act, you can't defend. If you can't defend, you die. You reek of fear, Hal Jordan. See, I'm telling you. See, that's a good scene. Don't don't watch that and go. I need to go watch this movie. Like, really, that's the best action, the best use of the Green Lantern, everything in that whole movie. But. There's some really cool things. And I hope you were listening to what Sinestro was saying. That was the, the pink guy. Um, he's a senior Green Lantern. He was helping to train Hal Jordan. Like, he's the number one guy up until Hal Jordan shows up and takes over, even in the comic books. But uh, this is what he says. He says, fear is the enemy of will. Will is what makes you take action. Fear is what stops you, what makes you weak. Those words resonate with me for, for a reason, for some reason. And I think it's because all of us understand fear. All of us have things that we do fear. All of us have things that, that we're afraid of in a deep way, in a way that just stops us. For some of us, it's spiders, right, Aaron? 
You know, uh, like he, he just can't move when there's a spider around. I don't get it. Uh, for some people, it's snakes or, or mole rats. I don't, I don't know. That's actually, I went and looked, I went and looked on uh, the internets and I, I found a site called phobialist.com and they said they've got every phobia that's ever been registered by any medical person listed and there were more than 530 items listed there. That's how afraid we are as a people. And it was everything from bathing to giant mole rats. Like literally it was like bathing was the number one thing up there because it was alphabetically whatever that word is, a phobia, uh, all the way down to xemiophobia, which is the fear of naked giant mole rats, which I didn't even know was a thing, but now you know. So maybe you've got that phobia and hadn't even, hadn't even known it yet. Uh, me personally, I'll share this with you. Uh, although I'm a little afraid to, me, I, I'm very claustrophobic, um, like very claustrophobic. Like I flip out, I go crazy claustrophobic. And especially it manifests when I'm in a tunnel, like driving down the road and you come to a tunnel and you have to go through it. I can't, I don't function. Uh, I, I, I lock up, I can't breathe. I, I, my eyes close involuntarily. My jaw clenches, my hands clench. I, I really cannot do anything while I'm in a tunnel which my wife now has Patrick going through a tunnel phobia because of all of that that I, I go through. Like while I'm going through, she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's not going to make it this time. He's going to pass out or something. Um, please let him be, especially if I'm asleep coming up to the tunnel. I was like, what if he wakes up in the middle of the tunnel? Like, so she about has a heart attack while waiting to see if I'm going to. And it's just, it's one of those things, but I don't get it because I know, like it's a phobia, so it's an irrational fear. And I know that because I understand how tunnels work. I understand that a cylinder underwater has the, the best ability to withhold the water pressure. I understand that people are checking this tunnel daily and if they see even the tiniest hint of anything that's gonna make it not work, that they're gonna stop the tunnel and not let it happen. I know all of that. In my heart of hearts, I know, but it does not stop me from seizing up, completely locking down if you just throw a towel over my head and hold me down for a little bit. Like, that's just the way I'm wired. And it's because fear is weakness. Fear is that power that comes in and steals away our will to do anything. It steals away our ability to accomplish. But what does that have to do with uh, being a Christ follower? What does that have to do with, with where we are and what we're doing here today? Well, at Venture Church, we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions, and I, I think this is one of them. So I want to dig in. I want to see what God's Word has to say about the subject of fear and overcoming fear. And we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Numbers 13, if you brought your Bible with you or you have an app on your phone, do that. If you don't have a Bible, um, there are some scattered on the floor under the seats. Grab one of those. If you don't have one at home that's easily readable, um, take one of these home. We give those away because we think it's important for you to have the Word of God in an accessible, easy to hold, easy to, to manage thing. So if you're still using the scrolls, take a Bible home with you today. Um, we're going to be in Numbers 13, and before we get there, it'll also be up on the screen behind me, but before we get there, I want to set up kind of what's going on here. So in Numbers 13, what has happened is Moses 
which is a guy that was a Hebrew that was raised as an Egyptian that then murdered an Egyptian to protect a Hebrew that got exiled from the city. He went and spent 40 years in the desert and then a vision from God came in a burning bush and sent him back to Egypt and said, go get all my people, bring them out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. And so he goes through all that, causing the 10 plagues or being the vessel which God uses to cause the 10 plagues and and then splitting the, the Red Sea, and everybody walks across on dry ground. They get to the edge of the promised land, and they stop, and Moses says, ah, maybe we should send some spies in first to check out and see what's going on. And so they pick one person from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they send them in, and then they wait. And it's been 40 days, and the spies have come back, and this is what they say, verse 27 of Numbers 13. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it did flow with milk and honey. Sounds sticky. That's right, veggie tales joke. Um, here is its fruit. So they went in and they said, look, check it out. This place is exactly what you said it was. This place is flowing with milk and honey. This place has got all the good things that we could ever want. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm sure the people that are listening are like, yes, I cannot wait. It's like I got invited this week over to uh, somebody's house to eat supper. And early in the day, the day I'm supposed to come, he says, hey, do you like lobster? And I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'll try. It sounds good. And then all day long, I'm just like, yes, I cannot wait to get there, have steak and lobster for supper. And it was fantastic, by the way. Uh, but that's where they're sitting. They're sitting there going, I know that something good is coming. And they're excited. But the next verse starts off with a but. I know, isn't that sad? It's always sad when there's a but. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. They're like, it is fantastic over there. It is great. It is wonderful. It is good. And the people that are there, that live there, know it. And they're not going to go easy. And they scare us. Because there's a bunch of us and all those ites over there are just going to come down and fight us and it's not worth it. These guys were afraid. They were, they were cowards. We're going to skip over verse 30 for the, for the moment and we're going to keep reading. Said the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours all those living in it. And all the people we saw were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim, which is uh, supposedly angels that came down and had babies with people. And then the baby people were angel people were Nephilim and they were bigger and stronger and shown. I don't know. It, it's kind of convoluted because it really just says the sons of men had... Uh, children with the son, daughters of God or daughters of God, whatever. I don't know whether it's really angels or not, but they, they were scared, all right? So they're trying to figure that out. I saw them there, and they said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They were afraid. They said, we're just little bugs. We can't do anything. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not bad enough. We're not amazing and powerful enough. Our, our war machine does not roll that fast. We can't do it. Let's just stay here. Does that sound familiar? 
to you? Because isn't that the MO of fear? To cause inaction, to cause immobility. These spies that they sent weren't just regular guys. These, these weren't just Joe Schmo from each tribe. Hey, who's the biggest loser that we don't care if we lose and we're going to send them over there? No, these were the leaders of their tribes. These were the, the, the strong men of their tribes. These were the men that were able to go and do this. And they came back afraid. Even though these men had witnessed the defeat of the Egyptians, which at the time was the greatest nation in the world. They witnessed the pillar of cloud that guided them in the day and the pillar of fire that guided them at night to show them where to go. They witnessed themselves walk across the dry bottom of the Red Sea and still, still they were afraid. They froze up. Fear showed up and the people gave up and said, why don't we just go back to Egypt? We don't really need to go in that land flowing with milk and honey. Let's, let's just go back and be slaves again. Let's just stay here and not worry about there. I wasn't the end of this story, though. If you read on into chapter 14, you see that when the people start chanting this, take us back to Egypt, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Take us back to Egypt. Let us be slaves and all this stuff that God hears that and says, what? All right, it doesn't say that in the scripture. Like it doesn't have big exclamation point with the question mark and, and whatever. But God's like, what are you talking about? You saw my power. You saw my miracles and you just want to go back. I should just wipe the world of you. I should just kill every one of you, just wipe you off the face of the earth and start over. And he tells that to Moses. He's like, this is what I should do. And Moses is like, well, you know, God, you shouldn't do that. I, we made a mistake, sure. We should be punished, absolutely. But if you kill us all, then people will think that you can't keep your promises because you promised that we would take over this land. So you would make yourself a liar and that would negate who you are and cause all of existence to unravel. So probably not a good idea. God's like, yeah, you're right. So he says, but I am going to punish you. And he says, what I'm going to do is for every day that those men were in the land of Canaan, you will spend wandering in the wilderness, unable to do anything else. So for 40 years, you're going to spend wandering in the wilderness. For 40 years, you're going to be stuck in the desert. For 40 years, you're going to be left out, unable to get to this land flowing with milk and honey, this place of good stuff, because you were afraid. And it goes on and says more than that. Anyone that is over the age of 20 right now, anyone that saw all of my miracles and was still afraid and still chanting will never set foot into the land of Canaan. Will never set foot into the land that I've promised you. They will all die out before that time is up. See, that's the power of fear. It's the power to ruin our lives because of inaction. It's fear that stops us from putting our name out there for that promotion. It's fear that stops us from, from saying hello to that pretty girl. It's fear that stops us and closes our mouths when we should be sharing the wonderful story of God and how much he loves us to the people in this world that are dying. 
It's fear that freezes us in our tracks and keeps us mediocre at best. It keeps us in the the same place, just barely getting through life. Not trying new things, not trying to accomplish better things, not trying to strive and to do more. And we pay the consequences of that fear. Stuck in the same dead-end job, fighting the same problems day in and day out. Fear brings great consequences. But thankfully, that's still not the end of the story. That's still not everything that we can learn from this section because there were 12 spies, 12 spies, that went into the land of Canaan. And there were only 10 of them that were afraid. Two of the spies knew what was going on. Two of the spies knew what was happening. Uh, We'll go back at verse 30 real quick. Uh, In Numbers 13, it says, Then Caleb, one of those two spies, silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take up possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He said, What are you talking about? Why are you afraid? We've got this. Have you not been hanging out for the last you know, march from Egypt? Do you not understand who God is and what God can do? And as you go on, the people start to get more fear and this fear starts to spread and they start chanting, please take us back to Egypt. And finally, Joshua and Caleb stand up. Uh, this is in Numbers chapter 14, starting verse six. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, that's N-U-N, not N-O-N-E, like he did not have a dad. His dad was just named Nun. Uh, and Caleb, son of Jephua, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. It is so good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and it will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Wow. It's a completely different perspective on the situation, isn't it? So what was different about Joshua and Caleb than those other 10 men? Was it that they were better warriors? Had they trained harder? Had they gone out and won more battles? Were they the best swordsmen in the whole nation of Israel? Maybe, uh, but the Bible doesn't ever tell us that. Maybe they were just brilliant tacticians and they had a plan. They knew exactly what was going to go on, exactly how to do it. Like they had been playing uh, God of War on their phone or whatever. And they're like, I I know this. If we just send troops around here, whatever. No, I don't think that was it. Do you know what was different about Joshua and Caleb than those other 10? Is that they had faith. They had faith that God, the God of the universe, the God of second chances, the God of war and of plenty and of all the good things that come in this world, faith that he had their back, faith that if he was for them, then no army on earth could stand against them. Look at that last part of that verse. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. 
as I was working on my sermon this week, there was a, a different direction that I was going to go completely. And a phrase came in my mind as I was working. All right, I read it on somebody else's website as I was reading their, their Green Lantern sermon, trying to figure out what I was going to do. But still, it came into my mind. And it said, faith is like fear in reverse. Faith is like fear in reverse. Fear is that power that comes in and freezes us in our tracks, makes us unable to do anything, unable to accomplish anything, unable to be anything better than what we are right now, and often makes us less. Where faith is that power that comes in and spurs us on to do more. It comes in and challenges us to do bigger and better and greater things in the name of what we have faith in. In fact, I believe a good definition for faith is belief plus action. When you believe something strong enough that you're willing to do something about it, that's when you have true faith. You know, when you believe that rope bridge is strong enough to hold your body as you walk across it, until you walk out on it, you don't show faith. And Joshua and Caleb had faith in God. They said, not only do I believe that God has my back, not only do I believe that God wants us to take over this land that he's told us for the last 450 years he's gonna give to us, I'm willing to put my neck on the line to make it happen. They had faith. And faith gives us the ability to overcome great fear. I have faith that my God is good and that whatever happens is because he has ordained it so. So I'm willing to put my name out there. I'm willing to, to try. I'm willing to go out and, and do my best to, to get ahead in this world, not so that I'm more popular, not so that I'm more wealthy, not so that I am better looking, but so that I can be more effective for the kingdom of God. Because I have faith that God is good. And it's because of this faith, Joshua and Caleb are greatly blessed. In fact, they're the only two people in the nation of Israel that are over 20 years old at that point that aren't placed under that curse. Joshua is the man that 40 years later leads the people of Israel across the Jordan into the land of Canaan that God had promised them. Moses says this 40 years later. It's at the end of Deuteronomy. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with them. That them is the Amalekites, Midianites, and Perizzites, and Jebusites, and Rizzites, and all those guys. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and divided among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes with you and will be with you. He will never, never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Moses said this 40 years later, 40 years after fear nearly cost the lives of an entire nation of people. Moses said this to one of the only two men that seemed to understand, that seemed to really get it, that in this world, 
We either choose faith or we choose fear. That we can't have it both ways. We can't completely believe in God and be afraid that he's never going to do anything to help us. We can't completely believe and have faith that God is, is who he says he is and God will protect us and that God will guide us and that God will give us a purpose and a, and a goal in this life. But then be so afraid that we cling to every choice and every decision, hold it tight to our breast and not give it a chance for God to influence it. We can't have it both ways. We have to either choose faith or fear. You know, one thing I always loved about the Green Lantern is that he had a difference about him than all the other superheroes that you find out about, that you read about. You know, Superman was always Superman. Even when he had on his glasses and his hair combed a different way, he still had all of that power surging through him, coursing through him. He still had all of that. Batman could never forget his training. Captain America, once he got injected, was always Captain America. But when the Green Lantern was done, when he wanted to give up, when he didn't want to be super anymore, all he did was take off his ring, set it on the counter, say, today I'm not super, today I'm just how. Today I don't want to be anything. So that meant that every single day, every single day, Hal Jordan had to choose to be the Green Lantern. He woke up every day and said, you know what? Do I want to be super today? Do I want to make a life-saving difference in the world today? Do I want to overcome my fear today? And day in and day out, he chose that. Friends, we have to make a choice every day. A choice between faith in God and fear. Fear of this world, fear of rejection, fear of failure. And we're the only ones that can make that choice for our lives. I would love to say that I, I can make that choice for you and you'll be good and it'll be fine and it'll be all right. But only you can make it. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not a, I'm going to choose faith and I believe that God is God and that Jesus is the Son of God and I'm going to be immersed into him and I'm going to be part of his kingdom. And then I'm done. I don't ever have to make a choice again. No, every single day, every time it comes up, you have to choose Am I going to be afraid? Am I going to be immobilized? Am I going to be stuck? Or am I going to trust that God has my back? And maybe you're here today and it's your first time even setting foot in church and you're like, I, this is a little bit heavy. I don't know where you're going with this. I don't even know if God exists. How am I supposed to, to know that he's going to have my back? You know what? That's okay. For you, the challenge is trust God enough to come back and try us out one more time. Come back next week and see what other superhero Chris is going to talk about. But for the rest of us, we've got to start striving to make that choice for faith. To stop letting fear be there and to overcome it and make that choice for faith day in and day out. The Green Lantern also has to not just choose to wear his ring, but to charge it. Uh, he's got this really cool thing that he says. It's an oath that he goes to, and he says, this is how I charge my ring. And he holds his ring up to a battery, and he says, in brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green lantern's light. And it's, he does it, it gets big, like the letters get bigger as you read down the page in the comic book. It's awesome. 
and his ring glows and gets real bright and his suit comes on. And he's like, ah! Not because it hurts, but because the power feels so good. Now, how do we recharge? How do we make that choice for faith? Well, I think it's those, those same answers that you get when you talk about it any time. It's getting into the word. It's studying. It's getting in and diving in, not just on Sunday morning as Chris or I come up and tell you about what the word says, but really getting in and reading that love letter from God and seeing how good it is and how powerful it is. It's getting on your, your knees physically or metaphorically and having a conversation with God. Philippians tells us that we can pray about anything. It doesn't have to be this immaculate, well-worded prayer. It can just be like, God, I need your help right now. God, give me strength. God, I love you so much. Thank you for that beautiful sunrise. Thank you for that sunset. Thank you for the breeze that was blowing yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Choosing faith is about living that grace-shaped, God-chasing life where we love other people and show him who God is. But just in case you need an oath, just in case you need something that you can be like Green Lantern and say, I'm going to say this every morning and I'm going to live this out and I'm going to recharge myself this way. I made an oath for you too. I thought that through. I said, well, somebody might want that and that's cool. So here's that oath. In brightest day and blackest night, make me a lantern burning bright. Give me the strength that I might. Fill dark places with your light. What if we lived our lives that way? What if we chose faith and we took the light of God into the world unafraid because that faith gave us the ability to overcome great fear? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you give us stories that we can use to understand better who you are, that we can use to, to fill ourselves with your power and to recognize and to know that you are good. Father, I ask that you help us to make that choice, the choice of faith, of trust in you, that will wipe away all of our fears. Not that we won't have them, but they'll be so diminished compared to your goodness and your glory. I love you so much, and I thank you for allowing me to be your mouthpiece today. Bless us as we continue. In your name we pray. Amen.